Corey, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. That's no, a pleasure to have you, man. Okay, so to kick it off, I want to read one of your tweets from 2020, oh so from a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, I know, sure. I'm pulling out all the receipts. We pull it all out. <laughs> and then I kind of want to get your take. I, I want to get your take on it and kind of hear the story behind it. Mm-hmm. So here we go. So here's how it starts. I'm making the leap. Friday was my last day at Barometrics. I wouldn't be where I am today without that wonderful team. But today I'm taking the first step to fulfill a dream I've had since I was 18, being a full-time content creator. Okay, so super interesting tweet. I also think it's something that like a lot of people will resonate with. They want to be like an entrepreneur or be a creator. You spoke about it being like a dream that you had for a long time. Where did that dream kind of start? Like what was the inspiration behind like I want to be a content creator? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and for me like, the, the term creator is a little bit more maybe broad than, than some people think. Like I, I kind of bucket creator as like a synonym to, to entrepreneur. Basically like my dream hasn't been to be like a CEO or like a, you know, like a, a big time, like someone famous. Like I want to be someone who creates stuff, who builds stuff, who, whether it's software or content or whatever it is, like I just want to be someone who creates cool stuff for the world. But where that started was, uh, I've always had like a lot of ideas, but I think because of kind of self-limiting beliefs and just like not knowing what the what the possibilities are, you know, or what the options are out there, I never really pursued it until I was on like a road trip with my friend out to Arizona to see some friends here in San Diego. It was about a four-hour drive, a long, long drive. You know, you get kind of existential and philosophical <laughs> when you're when you have a lot of time to kill. And so he was asking, you know, I was asking him, oh, you know, what are your plans? What are you doing? Just right after high school, he was asking me what I'm doing. And so I was telling him that I wanted to be an accountant and I wanted to, you know, do nine to five, kind of work my way up the corporate ladder and uh, me like retire early. And he was like, that's it. (laughs) I was like, what do you mean? That's it. Like that's the American dream. And he was like, bro, like you can do so much more and you know, yeah, yeah. You can start a business. You can do this. You can do that. Like, did you know that this was an option or that was an option or and again, I had always just kind of never even thought about that path really because of these self-limiting beliefs and these things that I didn't even know were really out there as an option or as a, as a career path, especially I thought maybe, you know, you kind of like get lucky or you fall into it or you may have to be like a, you know, a genius or some sort of whiz in the area, but it turns out normal everyday people like me can do it. And so I knew that that's, that was my dream. That's what I wanted to do because then I, I kind of unlocked this idea of like, oh yeah, you know. When I was a kid, I was all about like inventing stuff and creating things and drawing up all these diagrams and, and, you know, and drawings of, you know, these products I wanted to build or these inventions or these robots or whatever it was. And then I kind of just like gave that up because I figured that it wasn't possible or that I wasn't smart enough. And then I was like, yeah, you know what, what could I do? Or what, what would I want to do if that was an option? And, and so then it was just kind of a matter of figuring out what that would be for me. So my, my mindset from then on was like just having a, a new lens to look everything through. So I was listening to podcasts constantly, reading books, trying to study up on a lot of entrepreneurs that were well known, you know, watching things like Shark Tank, like basically just expanding my worldview of what was possible, trying to figure out like, what am I drawn to? What am I attracted to? And then building the skills in order to, you know, one day kind of be able to make the leap like I talked about in the blog post. Hmm. You know what, you know what's interesting as you're breaking that story down? is 
I feel like we all as kids, we have like this childlike wonder, like anything is possible, right? And you'll hear people yeah. when they're when they're younger, they'll be like, I want to be an athlete. I want to be an astronaut. I want to build this company. I want to do all of these things. And there's like, I think for most people, there's a certain point in life where it's like, you need to get realistic. Like that's not yeah. realistic. That's not on the cards for you. I'm curious for you, like even when you reflect back on it you spoke about like you had kind of decided you wanted to do the safe route the accounting route what was the moment where that decision was made like where it was like uh, i don't really think i can do this kind of entrepreneurial like almost like inventor value like innovative path i need to kind of go the mm. safe way like what sparked that i think it was around like my my junior year of high school talking to like a some sort of like advisor, you know, or counselor is kind of walking you through, like you take a little test and like, Oh, here's what you might have some like aptitudes for. And I'd scored really high in kind of like the financial analytics kind of category. I think you should look into being like a financial analyst or an accountant or doing tax law or stuff like that. And so that was just kind of like the impetus for me being like, well, I don't really know what else I would do. I never really saw myself as like a salesperson or something who was really like, charismatic especially back then I was super super introverted and so the idea of like just kind of you know staring at spreadsheets all day didn't sound all that bad and sounded like I could see myself doing that and so I kind of just decided like yeah you know like they told me it makes good money they see they say that they can see myself doing that so I'm just going to trust them and you know choose that as my path you know it's interesting like listening to that and even just reflecting on my own journey and like what I've heard from friends and even peers that I had in university, it's like we have this need for certainty. Like even if something isn't perfect, it's like at least mm -hmm. I know the path. At least like I know that if I do this, like I go to this university and then I take this sort of job, like here's the steps and it's very predictable. And like there's, yeah. there's something very comforting I think in like that certainty. And I'm always thinking about- Even just like, having like an answer. You know, it's like people are constantly talking about like, yeah. oh, what are you gonna do? What are your plans? What's college you going What are you gonna major in? And you're like, if you don't have an answer, you feel like a loser, like you're supposed to. So you just have to kind of choose something because it gives you that kind of certainty to, to relay it back to people. Yeah. And I, and I think it's such a, it's such a good point. I think so much of what we discuss on this podcast is like people that follow what they want. Like they, I think everyone has kind of a skill set or something that they're very strong at, that they have an aptitude for, that they would love to do 100% of the time, but there's something holding them back. And I guess one of the things I'm curious to know from you is like, how do you think people can almost retain that childlike wonder, like retain that ability to, to still like dream of something and go for it? Hmm. I think it's a lot of it has to do with putting yourself with people and content and sources of, it, of inspiration that allow you to see what's possible and allow you to just know like what, what are all the viable career paths out there? Because, you know, even the last five years, it's felt like, you know, it, it went from like, oh, I want to be a YouTuber. That's cute. To like, Hey, I should be a YouTuber. Like everyone's like, I should be a YouTuber. They make great money. Like they're famous. They make a lot of good money. They have all these benefits. They build a business. It's easy. You work from home. And it's just like, there's so many more options today that are more kind of culturally accepted and normal or where there is a more of like a, a tried and true path to getting there 
where it doesn't just feel like a moonshot and you're kind of crazy. You have to be a little bit, a little bit weird, a little bit wacky. You have to, you know, a lot more, a lot more people are not going to college. A lot more people are kind of, you know, I think when, when you ask kids like 20 years ago, what they wanted to be when they grow up, they'd say like the president of the United States, an astronaut or a firefighter. And today it's like tuber, streamer, gamer, you know, it's like all these things that are completely new careers that people never even thought of or thought would exist 20 years ago. And so it's important as you grow up, I think, to really keep that, that mindset, uh, just open to being pos- open to possibilities and especially knowing that like people have done it and that you can see some of the patterns and you can recreate their success. Like one of the big things I was, you know, when I was spending like eight hours a day in class and then working two jobs, one during the week, one on the weekends, I was driving constantly. I was driving like three or four hours a day. And so I just turn on podcasts. One in particular was uh, Mixergy by Andrew Warner. And you would bring on entrepreneurs from all sorts of backgrounds. And the stories that I would hear would just blow my mind. Cause I'm like, what? This guy just like made an app for, you know, like the weather. And then now he's making like 200 grand a month and it's his full-time job. Like I never thought that that would be a possibility, you know, or, oh, this other guy is, you know, doing marketing consulting and now he built an agency. And, oh, I didn't even know that that was like a business that you could create, but now I know. And so you hear these stories of other people that have done it before you. And then it inspires you to, to, to think bigger or just to know like, oh yeah, I th- I could see myself doing that maybe. Hmm. It's, it's such an, it's such a good point that it's like the influences around you and what you see. And it's almost like in a way, the steps to success are, this is going to sound strange, but I'll flesh out the thought, which is like the steps to success in a way are kind of predictable. Like if you, if you took someone who became successful and you almost like analyze their life from like a bird's eye view, from like a distance, and you looked at like their friends, like the content they consume, their routine, like is probably, you'd probably see patterns among successful people. And it's interesting, like even we talk about content creation. I did an episode with Sahil Bloom a few weeks ago and he was mm-hmm. talking about when he initially started writing on Twitter, he had like a group. I think he said they were called the 100K Club. Like they started like mm-hmm. a group chat. Yep. And it was a <laughs> bunch of people now that have huge Twitter followings. But they were all they were all kind of like sharing ideas and like motivating each other. And now they all have their own niche. But like in a way, it's like you need that you need that support. And I think people start with just like the end goal of like, oh, I just want to be successful. But it's like, what about all the steps that lead up to being that person? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The skills you have to acquire, the the people you surround yourself with, the situations that you, you know, you're like in the right room at the right time with the right people. Like, there's a lot of that for sure. It's like you look at all these success stories, and of course, hindsight's always twenty twenty. It makes sense when you look back, but you have to do the work of putting yourself in the right situations and being there and showing up and, and acquiring the skills and the, the relationships and the network so that you can kind of have your, your, your breakthrough, you know, or you can build that business or a lot of people like one thing that people don't talk about too, is there's a lot of failures, a lot of pivots and a lot of things that kind of just sputter out. And you also have to be open to that too, because again, if you, if you look at a lot of the success stories, you know, you're, we're highlighting the success story, but in the wake, is a bunch of other things that tried and failed in the past or a lot of dead ends or a lot of things that didn't work out or that they tried that there end up being sort of, you know, wasted, quote unquote, maybe not actually wasted. 
there's a lot of things to learn or a lot of relationships that you build with any kind of entrepreneurial endeavor, but you have to be, you have to be open to that too. And just like knowing realistically, yeah, this could not work out or I have to, one of my mindsets right now is like for anything that I, anything new that I take on any new project, I'm just going to focus on bringing that thing to a hundred percent of its potential. I don't know what that potential is, but I know that not everything's going to be a billion dollar, you know, unicorn hyper growth startup. And if this thing maybe like isn't monetizable or the target audience is rather small, like that's great. If I can be like the market leader for whatever this thing is, I'm going to call that a huge success. But my goal is just to let it play out and let it become what it should become and not try to force it to be anything that it's not. Hmm. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. And I think one of the things I like that you said is like the amount of failure that you experience along that journey. And I think one of the things that I know definitely for me, it's held me back in the past. And I think it does for a lot of people is like that fear of failure and like just not wanting to have that feeling of like, I put my all into this and it just didn't work. It just fell flat on its face. And I think the people, the people that really succeed, especially in entrepreneurship, they have this really good relationship with failure where they're, they're able to like reverse losses into wins down the line. Mm. <laughs> right. Uh, it's like the most uncanny thing. Like you think that they took like the biggest L of their career, but then they reflect on it like a few years later and it was like actually the best thing that happened to them. Mm. I'm curious, like early in your journey, what would you say were some of those, some of those failures and like, how have you managed to kind of to flip them on their head? Hmm. Man, I mean, just a lot of, a lot of things that I tried that didn't like work out. I'll talk about failure too, not just in the sense of like, oh, this is a business I tried to create that didn't work out, but also just like lessons learned or things that I tried within my job that I was sort of like paid to learn the hard way. <laughs> can frame it that way is like you know again i'm trying to with my vision of here's what i want to do in the future i'm trying to build up the skills and the experience that i can take into that entrepreneurial endeavor later and uh, my first job out of college was like my crash course in marketing like it literally was in charge of and thrown everything uh like oh we need to sponsor this conference and fly out our sales team we need to do linkedin ads we need to write a blog post we need to redo our website like I just had to learn it all for the first time and a lot of mistakes and learnings and lessons in all those. A lot of things that I spun up that really didn't go anywhere. I had a newsletter called the TLDR and SaaS marketing, which is a little like roundup curated newsletter that I did for, I think exactly 53 weeks. <laughs> so it was like one year and one week. And then I was like, eh, this isn't going anywhere. I had like 500 subscribers. I would spend like two hours a week on it. It wasn't like a big deal but I just realized that it wasn't really like I'd, I'd felt like I had reached the end of that kind of project and it was, you know, uh, too niche and wasn't excited about it anymore. Just like two years ago, I had a project called help a creator that was supposed to be an alternative for help reporter.com, which is the site where you can kind of play matchmaker between journalists and sources of expertise or input for journalists writing stories. And I'd read it about how, well, one, it's a really old platform, but I read about how in the first year, the guy who had started it made a million bucks, and then the second year made 10 million bucks, and then he sold it. And then it's basically been the same ever since. I was like, dude, we need a new one. So I tried to do it with no-code tools. Turns out, of course, I knew this, but bootstrapping a two-sided marketplace is super, super hard. And also, 
people just thought that help a reporter was fine. <laughs> they were fine with it. Mm-hmm. You know, not everyone has the kind of bespoke taste of UI and design like some of us techies do. There have been, I had a, a job board called Hey Marketers just for tech marketing that I started, ran for about a year, sold, and then rebought, and then now it's, it's running. But I wouldn't say that that's been like a huge success. It definitely could be bigger, but again, I don't have like the time or energy to really make it into like this big ginormous thing. I'm kind of just milking it a little bit for what it is. It's don't get me wrong. It's very successful. Like it does well. I'm really glad that I rebought it. It repaid for itself from the price that I bought it within like six months. That was a huge win. What would have been some other things, man, there's been like a million and one app ideas and domains that I've bought and content sites that I started creating content on that just fizzled out. And I just, left to the wayside even points where i was close to like creating a uh, like a pitch deck and going and trying to get investors for something and then realizing like mm, i don't know there's something here or getting feedback from people or trying to build early users and just not having it those are the couple of the more like tangible examples but there's literally been like probably 50 to 100 in the last couple of years yeah you know what i find and it's interesting even when i'm like researching guests like looking for guests to get on the pod and certain people just stand out and it was like, I'm like, okay, I need to get them on. Like I need to have the the conversation. And one of the things I really loved when I was looking kind of into your background, because I went on your website and your website's great, by the way. And one of the sections you have is like what I'm working on. And I'm mm. like scrolling down and it's like the <laughs> longest list. Like it just keeps scrolling. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, it's like a newsletter, podcast, these different like SaaS businesses, like everything, right? And, and the thing I thought, I was like, this guy is just prolific. Like there's just so many like shots on goal. And it's actually just really refreshing because I think when I was kind of looking at your stuff, I was like, he's just like interested in all this stuff. And instead of like having a thought, he just goes out and tries it. Like it's actually a really yeah, refreshing yeah. thing. Right. But it's like a special mindset to have because I think each time you go out there and try something, it's like, you, you're putting something out there in the world. There's like an ego attached to it. There's like work and time and effort mm. and resources put to it. Like, how do you just keep, how do you just keep doing new things? Like just keep trying it again and again. I think I have a little bit of a obsessive personality. So some of it is kind of just like inherent to when I start learning about something for the first time, especially I get really, really into it. And then I just like my mar- my mind starts going in like all these places of when I'm learning these things, I find these gaps in my learning of like, oh, I wish that I had this when I was first starting out or I wish this existed or I wonder if this is out here. Oh, it's not. Oh, that would be really interesting. And, uh, or I want things for myself. Like in the past year, I've gotten really into poker. And so I started watching poker YouTube vlogs. I started taking courses. I started, I went through like the, the masterclass sessions with Phil Ivey and Daniel Negreanu. And I just like, completely dove into it. I started going through all these like solvers and apps and, and then I started playing at the casinos and I went to go like track my progress and how I was doing per session. And I was using these really janky apps. So I was like, ah, this sucks. I want something that's better than this. And so I just started building it in uh, Adalo. And then that was a whole learning experience for me. And like, how do you build a, a mobile app? And I'm learning about the app submission process and, you know, going through a lot of like design best practices for for iPhones versus Android and 
cross cross platform dependencies and like all these intricate parts of it. I'm actually, I still haven't launched them. I'm like right in the verge. I just need to like create the images for the listings of them. But I just, it's fun for me. Like this is kind of like the stuff that I do on nights and weekends sometimes. I don't really don't spend a crazy amount of time, but yeah, like there's a rush to seeing something that you want to exist and then going and creating that thing. I'm feeling like, sweet. I just like fill this hole, not just for myself, but for other people also. And again, I don't have any like stake into this thing becoming a billion dollar company or being like the end all be all. I simply just want to see it exist. To me, it's the same as like a home DIY project. I'm not handy whatsoever. <laughs> so this is where all my like creative output goes. But like, oh, I w really wish that our wall was painted green. Like, Just go do it. I see the same thing with like, I really wish there was a little app to help me track my, my profitability in poker sessions. I don't like the ones that are currently out there. I think I'll just build one because I know that there are apps that help me do that. Hmm. You know what? There's something very like, I kind of know what you're getting at. There's something very, I don't even know what the word is. It's almost like validating. It's almost like a confidence booster that ideas and thoughts you have in your mind, you can manifest it in reality. Yeah. It's almost totally. like the, I love like that the, part of it. Yeah. It's like the ultimate like superpower. Like I just thought something and, and now it's there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What, one of the quotes that I reference in, uh, in that blog post and tweet about making the leap is that I think actually, who is it? It's, it's a, it's a quote from a famous like Silicon Valley investor, but he basically says like, oh dang, I'm going to have to go find it. But it's basically like, if you want to see something ex exist in the world, or if you want to like know what the future is, just go and build it, just go create it. Like it's not that hard to go and like people are always trying to like pontificate what's the future going to look like and how's it going to be. But like, how fun and how cool is it just to be a part of making that a reality? That's what like gets me up out of the morning is just figuring, feeling like I'm I'm doing something that is making the world. Oh man, this sounds so cheesy. Like making the world better in some way. Like I've just made like a tiny, tiny little improvement. You know, it feels the same as like when I see you know new buildings go up down the street, or I see people you know refurbish the house across the street. Like I love that. It feels like okay, we're making the world better. It's making progress. Things are, are better than they were before. And so a lot of these things are like, I, I love that agency and kind of autonomy just to say, yeah, I want to see this thing exist. Even if it's just for me, I'm going to go and do that. And if other people want that too, that's a great, that's a bonus. Hmm. You know, what's interesting as well, because I'm, I'm reading this book at the moment, Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. Mm -hmm. And he has this, he has this chapter where he talks about just doing the work and he kind of goes like in his books, he goes back to like historical figures and like their experience. And he speaks about like these artists who had like the greatest ideas or these people that wanted to make businesses and they had these amazing ideas. And like, there's probably some incredible companies that just existed solely in people's minds, mm -hmm. but they never <laughs> did the work to like make it happen. And it's so interesting because I think you get so many learnings from just being in the field, like just being, doing the work. It's like all these yeah. small things just become apparent. It's like, it's the, it's the journey of it. Right. Which is, which is special. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I, I remembered the, the quote. <laughs> so the quote is the best way to predict your future is to create it. And, and that's also kind of a, re a remix of what I referenced in the blog post, which is a conversation with my friend, Joshua Levy of Holloway. And we were talking and I was talking about my, you know, my dreams and ambitions. And he said, 
At one point, I realized that everything around me existed because someone put in the work to make it exist. And then I realized that if I wanted something to exist, I could make it happen if I wanted to. And then I wondered about all the things, all the great things we don't have that we could, if only someone were to make that happen, what a different world that would be. And that's kind of the inspiring part for me is like thinking about all the things that could exist that don't because someone isn't going and doing that. And a lot of things I pass over because it's just not a great fit for me. Like there are a lot of things I want to see exist in the world of crypto or AI or programming or, you know, things around our cities, nonprofits, but like I don't have the knowledge and expertise. So I always try to like build within my own kind of domain, like what I directly can influence and, and what I have the skills to actually go and build. But yeah, it's a crazy thought to think like, what, what would the world look like if people actually brought these ideas and, and products and inventions into the world and manifested it? Hmm. You know what I'm, I'm interested to get your take on? Do you think every, anyone can be an entrepreneur? Oh, yes. I think anyone could. Because if you think about an entrepreneur, someone who starts someone something, right? It could be as simple as like a little, a little widget. It could be selling a service. Like we all have skills that we can monetize in some way. And so if you can monetize a skill, you can be an entrepreneur. But I don't think anyone is cut out to be like a public company CEO. Not everyone's cut out to be a, you know, like tech, technical co-founder where you're like programming or designing. We all have these kind of aptitudes that lend themselves to our ideas of like what a great entrepreneur looks like. Not everyone's a great speaker and not everyone's a great writer and not everyone's a great fill in the blank, right? So not everyone can be a fill in the blank entrepreneur, but anyone can be an entrepreneur at some sort of scale, I think. Hmm. You know what's interesting? I kind of, I go back and forth with it because, and I think even the, one of the great points you made in that blog post was like, entrepreneurs are just normal people who take initiative. Like hmm. rather than, they come across a problem and then rather than being like, this is a problem, they think like, they take the next step. Like, how do I solve this? They take action on it, which I think in theory, anyone could do. But even one of the things I've realized with doing this podcast, there's like a mental endurance that you need to be an entrepreneur. Because I think it's, it's very difficult mentally to be working like a lot on something. And it's like, there's an illusion that nothing is happening. Like if you sometimes mm, feel like you're right. making no progress for a long amount of time yeah, and you might never make the actual progress that you want. It's difficult to keep showing up under those circumstances, which is why like a job is kind of appealing, right? Because it's at least it's predictable. At least if I show up, I get paid. Like it's mm -hmm. predictable in that sense. And I think it's that element of it. I'm like, I kind of feel like you have to be wired a certain way to be able to put up with that like mental battle. Definitely, well that, that's what I was gonna say is that I don't think not everyone would enjoy being an entrepreneur and definitely <laughs> not everyone should be an entrepreneur, definitely. It's it's a little bit of a like a lifestyle or like a religion more than anything else or maybe like a culture is kind of a better way of putting it. Like I've found that the people that I enjoy talking to the most are kind of like me because they they're interested in a lot of different things and they're inspired by doing stuff and and taking action and and, and risk taking whereas like a lot of other people i think it's sort of like that mindset like you said a lot of people really value 
predictability and monotony and they like having someone saying, Hey, here's something for you to do. Go and do this. And then just checking that box. And then there's other people who like being the ones who are like, here's the thing I have for you or don't need a predictability or don't even like predictability. I despise monotony. Like I love working on new stuff all the time and learning about new things and getting to dive into different rabbit holes and kind of get lost in the work a little bit. And the work is definitely a lot more of like my identity than some other friends and a lot of other people that I know where they're all talking about, you know, oh, how's it going? Oh yeah, good. I just, you know, went to this place or ate this thing. And I'm like, oh, I just shipped this mobile app, you know, or like, I'm really excited <laughs> about this blog post I'm working on. And it's, it's a different set of interests, you know, that isn't going to appeal to a lot of people. Cause if you're an entrepreneur just for the money, like you're not going to make it, that's not, that's not the interesting part about it at all. It's more about the things you're actually creating and the, the work that you're doing day to day as it's a lot more like being an artist. I think that people realize where you have to enjoy the work and do it just for the sake of, of the thing rather than the outcome of that thing. Hmm. And I think, I think the perspective, having that perspective is very powerful and it's like needed. I'm curious for all the people that are like aspiring entrepreneurs, or maybe they're on that journey themselves. Cause I know for me, there's definitely moments of like being disillusioned of like, you love the, you love the game. You love being like in the game, like just doing it. But then a lot of the time you're still kind of pursuing an objective. And sometimes it's like, it just doesn't feel like it's happening and you can get disillusioned. And it's even a famous quote, which is like the most reason, the biggest reason why companies fail is because the founder just gives up. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm curious, like, have you ever had that, that feeling of like, this is just not it or like, <laughs> I can't, I don't think I can do this anymore. This is just not working or I'm going to try something else. And if so, like, how do you combat that? How do you keep going? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's important to, to understand like what you actually want and, and, and where you're going because it's easy to like, it's easy to view entrepreneurship as this real like straight line of like, well, I was, I did have a job and now I just have my own company or work on my own thing. And oftentimes the, the line is super, super blurry or you have your, your feet in both worlds for a long time. That's the world that I live in right now. Still doing a lot of consulting, which is basically like a part-time job. And then I have my own projects. None of them are really like require full-time work or like responsibility, but that's my goal is to like, every month get closer and closer to kind of that split of time or responsibility where the business is are pulling me away from the more like hired gun kind of work that I'm doing. But I use the, all the work that I'm doing, the experiences, the things that I learn, the money that I make from that to reinvest back into my businesses and, and my projects, the things that I'm doing. And, and it's, it's that kind of perspective that's allowed me to say like, when I have sort of a, like a co-founder relationship that gets into a dead end or a project that I'm 90% done with that I lose steam at that last 10% and have this kind of existential crisis of like, do I actually want to do this or do I actually want to ship this or mm -hmm. am I on the right, right track where people actually find this useful that it goes back to, well, how is this useful in some way? Like you said, turning that, that L into a W, how can I spin this in a positive way? Is it worth pursuing this even further or should I cut my losses and move on to the next thing 
A lot of times, to be honest, the answer is just to cut your losses and move on, which is not a bad thing whatsoever. Just because, again, you just because you locked yourself in your basement, you worked on something for six months, and then at the end of the six months, you still have nothing to show for, and you start over, and you lock yourself in your basement again for another six months, so to speak, and you start working on a completely new project. Doesn't mean that that thing was a failure. It's sort of the you know who was it? Thomas Edison creating the light bulb. He didn't fail. 9,999 ways he found 9,999 ways to not make a light bulb, right? It's like, those are all things that were, that had their time and place for whatever you're working on. They just didn't have the outcome that you wanted. And that's totally okay. Just move on, keep it in stride, go to the next thing. Just in the last year, I've probably had like, like five, like failed quote unquote projects that I'm totally fine having spent that time doing because they were interesting, they were fun in the moment, they just didn't have what it took in order to, to see the light of day or to be like a, a profitable source of, of time and investment. But yeah, that's okay. So it's more about like, what did I learn? Can I, can I roll this into something else? And did I enjoy doing the work while I was doing it? Again, it goes back to like the inherent value of what you're working on as long as you enjoy it, then really there are no losses because you're just sort of having fun and you're getting lost in the work and you're enjoying it, you're learning stuff. But it's when you're kind of just slogging away and you're like, why am I doing this? That's the, like that's when it's like cut your losses, move on, try not to make that same mistake again because then you're really just, that's like waste of time to me. Hmm. You know, it's interesting. I think one of, it just shows how important like perspective is and like the way that you frame things and like the the narratives and things that you tell yourself. And I remember listening to this interview with Kevin Hart, the comedian, and they were asking him like how he bounces back from losses and like, and he gave this analogy. He's like, I think of my life as like a book. And he's like, I want the book to be like the most interesting book that was ever <laughs> written. Like, yeah. I don't want it to be one of those books like, and, and this is what you see a lot, right? Which is like chapter one, you know, like I took the safe option, I went to university, I then did a job and I stayed in that job for 50 years. It's like, it's like the most boring book. He's like, I right. want it to be like, like page one, it's like I was in a car crash, I got out of there, <laughs> I started this thing, I changed job after three months and started like, he's like, mm -hmm. it just, when, when these weird like hiccups kind of happen in my journey, I just think that it's like, it's making the book even more interesting. Like it's even more engaging. And it's so true, right? Like if you, even if you listen to this podcast and you were to think about the guest's life as like a book, you'd be like, this shit is engaging. Like this is like a New York <laughs> Times bestseller. Like, yeah, yeah. And you're, and you're looking at it and you're like, why did they do that? Or man, they should have done these, these things differently. Or, oh, wow, that I did, really didn't expect that thing to work, but now here it is. And wait, they did what with it now? They sold it? Oh, interesting. Like, There's all these sort of windy bits of the journey that you really don't get with a lot of other life stories. And I think it also speaks to the importance of optimism. I, I, I think it's kind of impossible to be like an entrepreneur and be more of like a pessimist, kind of going back to the attitude point and perspective point. I'm totally always been like the eternal optimist, glass is always half full because if you're, if you're a pessimist and you're an entrepreneur, like you're going to give up after those moments of, of doubt or failure, or you're not going to see it as, as interesting. You're going to be like, ah, oh, this is where people close the book. 
when in reality that's where it's just getting in more interesting and people are more invested they're more rooting for you that's where i think the stuff like you know having a twitter audience and doing the more like building a public sharing your journey along the way and not just after the fact is important because then every one of those you know people are watching you closely and you are kind of like this this book that they're immersed in but they don't know what's on the next page because they haven't written it yet and every day you're just sort of filling new, with new content and new stuff in there. But those people can root you on and can make connections for you and can can help you get to the next chapter, to the next thing that you're working on. As long as you keep being your kind of true, authentic self in the way that you're building. And you're genuinely just trying to add value to people and do stuff that's interesting and helpful and, and valuable to their lives and their work. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. As you were saying that, I was thinking it's like one of the things I always tell myself with the podcast and I'm getting better each and every episode is like authenticity wins like whatever content is the most authentic content wins and like part of being authentic is not only because I think you see on social media a lot of people report on their wins like when something goes well it's like on their Instagram it's like on the story Mm -hmm. it's on their Twitter it's on everywhere right but then when something doesn't go well it like kind of goes quiet But I think part of being... You only see the highlight reel. Yeah, for sure. And part of being authentic is reporting on both, like both sides of it. I'm curious to get your take on kind of like, because you're almost like an operator, but then you're also deep in content, those into playing. Like how can someone build in public and do it the right way and do it in an authentic way? Hmm. Yeah, obviously sharing the losses along the way, but I think that more than more than just sharing like wins and losses, it's more about sharing like your thought process and like how the sausage is made. Stuff that's in the works where you're like, hmm, I'm thinking about going this route or that route. Here's my thinking, here's the pros and cons for going route A versus route B. Oh, update. I went route A, found that this is a dead end, these things weren't expected. Now I'm gonna try route you know, C or D. Here's the pros and cons for each one of those. And you're constantly just giving people these updates on how things are going and, and what you're thinking to the level that is helpful to them and interesting. And also is again, what you would kind of authentically do. Some of it is force. It's like, help me yeah. choose my the cover for my next book. And that's really just like a marketing scheme. <laughs> they just wanna know like which one's gonna convert best. But it's more like, hey, I, I paid someone, you know, to create five different designs. Here's like the prompt that I gave them. Which one do you think I should go with? Or should I scrap all of them? And you're leaving up more like open-ended in a way that people can engage with where it doesn't just feel like it's this curated, you know, like I said, it's, it's the authentic, authentic part of it. it. It was a lot easier even just a couple of years ago just to kind of put anything out there and you're building in public. Now people see through that and they're like, oh, nice MRR chart, like nice, you know, pseudo product launch announcement slash like you're just trying to build hype for this thing that you want us to click on and give you an upvote on. So it's, it's the work in progress. How is the sausage is made? Giving people daily updates. Like one of the people I really like following is a guy named Noah Bragg, who's working on a product called Potion, which is basically a way to turn a Notion document into a website. And it's actually really impressive, but he like, it's, it's usually about like every other day, probably on average, he makes like a two minute video and is like, here's what I did today. Here's one thing about doing tomorrow. And here's like all the things that are still like these big question marks on my to-do list of things I haven't figured out yet. And he's just talking 
and it's not even like a good medium for the format. <laughs> like it's, it's hard to consume, but I love watching them. And I just like read the little captions of the video because it feels real, you know? So whatever that is for you, it could be tweets, it could be a newsletter, it could be YouTube, it could be videos that you upload to, to reels to TikTok, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter as long as it, as long as you enjoy doing it mm. and it is it's kind really, of authentic. It's such you, a, like a your beautiful thing. I think the way, the way that I think about it, like the whole building in public is imagine like your favorite person in business or your favorite athlete or favorite musician, like take Elon Musk, for instance, right? And say that you went like 20 years in reverse, like 20 years in the past when he was building Tesla if he had like a YouTube channel and he was like vlogging it and like talking about like while he was going through these different right. obstacles and like challenges and tough meetings and thinking he's going to go bankrupt and then bouncing back and the stock getting shorted mm -hmm. and like imagine he was reporting that in lifetime like it's <laughs> such a it would just be such an engaging piece it'd just be such amazing content but I think and it's definitely something that I want to do I think there's just like a lot of insecurities yeah. that come up when you're trying to build in public, which is, I know one of the things for me is like, like who cares? Like, does anyone care? Like, how do you, did, did you have that starting out? Like what are some of your early struggles <laughs> in like content creation? Yeah, I think it's, for me, it was less about who cares and more about like, who am I to try to do this you know like what are people going to think about are they going to trust me are they going to be interested in me or like what do I really have to say and so that's where like the learning in public stuff was really helping uh, helpful for me just like feeling like I don't have to just show the wins and losses but I just can be like here's something I read that's why they started that newsletter at the TLDR and SaaS marketing is kind of full circle but I was just like I don't really have anything to say about SaaS marketing yet but I'm just gonna like comment on everything that I'm reading and learning. And then I'll be like a tastemaker a little bit, a curator. And then if people choose to trust like my choice and my commentary on these things to read, then maybe one day they'll choose to read the things that I write and they'll trust the things that I say as this more like opinionated advice, but here's what to do or what not to do. And that's turned out very much to be the case. But it was a lot of like imposter syndrome at first about you know, should I even be talking about this? Do I have an opinion on this? Should I try to like fabricate something or should I just say, I don't have anything to say on this in the beginning. So it was more like, uh, how do I allow myself to just be kind of like free to create the content and post the stuff and share what I'm learning, even though it might make me feel, it might make me seem at least to myself, like I'm a beginner or like, I don't know what I'm talking about or like I'm, I'm overreaching but I'm just trying to kind of push the boundaries on myself to force me out of my comfort zone and say like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to try to become someone who I'm, I'm not yet or seem like I know more than I, than I do, but I'm not going to be like the super humble, like, oh no, I don't have anything to say about that. Or I'm just going to trust everyone else or just, you know, follow these people. Don't follow me. I don't have anything to say. Like, I'm going to try to become that person along the way as authentically as I can and just try to ignore all the you know, people on my shoulder that are like, who are you to say that? Or you shouldn't post that. Or no one's going to care about you, you saying that or sharing that, or they're going to think that you're, you know, in fact, for a while, I was really insecure about how young it was because I didn't want people to know that I was just, you know, 22 straight out of college tweeting about SaaS marketing. Again, like I, like I know something about myself or like I know something about it when I, 
I don't. I'm still very much in the learner phase. So I never shared that. But I just shared all the stuff that I was learning regardless because I let people kind of make their own assumptions and, and judgments. The learner just not care about it. I have no no care in the world about what anything anyone thinks about me. Not in a way that's like, I'm going to do whatever I want and I'm, I'm going to say whatever I want, but just in the sense that I'm not going to let any fabricated opinion of someone else's in my own head hmm. change the way that I yeah, work I think it's, it's or like the things that I say or can, what I put out it's there. It's powerful if you can get to that point because I think a lot of people are held back by like, what people think of them. And it's interesting, I remember doing one of the early podcasts I did, I was asking the guest about like starting out on Twitter, like doing those first few posts, like the post when it feels like you're like tweeting into a black hole, like you, you craft, you like perfectly craft this tweet and you press post and then it's mm -hmm. like radio silence, <laughs> like no one cares. Like it's like one of the toughest things. And it was funny cause he said to me, it's like, he's actually yep. like, that's like the best part about starting out is you can like tweet something and you can just experiment because like no one cares and like it's almost like what's that phrase it's like if a tree falls in the forest yeah. and no one hears it did it really fall yeah and it's like i guess when you get like a bigger following there's really like fall. more of a, yeah. a magnifying glass on everything that you do so it's difficult to really experiment as wildly i guess mm -hmm. as you can when you're just starting out Totally, totally. Yeah, especially with a lot of like the audience building techniques now, like, you know, I have 18,000 followers, like 13,000 subscribers in my newsletter. It's a lot harder for me to figure out what actually works to move the needle because I already have like this, this baseline to work off of. And if I gain 15 new followers, I don't know if that's because those people just like randomly found me or it was because of the tweet that I sent or the newsletter that I sent, or the thing, the podcast that I went on. Like it, it's all just kind of like mixed together in this Petri dish of audience building tactics. But yeah, in the early days, it's really, really easy to like, you do something and then you mm. see, you get that really quick I'm curious, and clear like, feedback loop of what uh, works and what doesn't work. You have so many different forms of like content that you're making, like the newsletter, the podcast, you tweet. I'm curious, like, how did you kind of how do you think about like finding what your thing is, like what your medium is? Because I know a lot of people to to start, they'll start with like maybe the newsletter or just podcast or oh, yeah. just tweeting yeah. or YouTube. Like how did you think about, and what advice would you have for people that are like, I wanna produce content, but like how can I get started and make sure it's something that has longevity and I can consistently do it, yeah. Well, you just have to do a lot of stuff and then figure out what you like along the way. I, I've found for myself personally, I like a lot of the async types of content creation. So that's why I like podcasts because I feel a lot more free to kind of speak and create the content knowing that no one is watching me in the moment. Like I, even in real life, like I hate when people are just like over my shoulder watching me do stuff. I'm like, let me just show you what I did later, which is maybe a little bit ant antithetical to kind of building public stuff, but like, you know, tweeting. I like a, like a lot of written content just because it feels like I can process more of my thoughts and kind of distill it down into some like the best version of it before it goes out. I'm not really. I don't see myself much as like a, a performer, and so video feels a little bit less comfortable for me because I feel like I have to put on this enthusiastic face all the time, and um, 
had this really curated view and have this act and this really, you know, video is very demanding, right? It's really quick cuts. You have to keep people's attention. It's a very demanding medium to consume. So I just found that I like podcasting and I like writing. And those are the things that, re- that, that work for me. But I also don't like feel like I'm, I'm stuck to a, a content treadmill because I don't have like a strategy for my Twitter. I just kind of tweet whenever I have thoughts or whenever someone asks me about, some, about something. And my newsletter, I add, I add everything to a sequence. So I don't even have like a schedule of like, oh, I send every Fridays. It's like I have a queue of like 150 emails. And when you sign up, you get the first one and then the second one and then the third one. And it just goes out over time, usually every two to three days-ish. And so that also allows me to feel like I'm free to just write whenever I want to, which I have to force the inspiration a lot. But I also don't feel this anxiety around, well, I need to finish something by this time. And that's going to make me not like the work as much, kind of kills some of the creative process sometimes, at least for me. So yeah, you just have to do it. You just have to start experimenting. I really like Twitter. I really like writing and that, and I think newsletters are a fantastic platform for that. And I really like podcasting because it doesn't feel like as much of a performance, but I can still kind of speak freely. So I just started doing those things and found that I liked them. And when, anytime I've tried video, public speaking, any of the other social platforms, really, I just you need to start with that didn't action. enjoy them that much which is like, even for me, cause I initially, when I started doing content, I was tweeting and I don't mind tweeting. Like I was trying to do like weekly tweet threads, but like writing to me, I can write, but it feels difficult. Whereas like, and I think that's kind of how you know, it's like when you're doing something and it's taking a whole bunch of energy and you're getting to the point where you're starting to dread it. Every, yeah. Cause I was like, I'm gonna put a tweet thread out every week. And it got to like week five and I was like, please Mm -hmm. not like you're almost like dreading the next week coming about and whereas like the podcast it felt (laughs) there's so much work that i do to put this podcast out but it still feels easy the conversation feels easy it gives me energy afterwards which i think is like a big indicator but i think it's such great advice that you give to people which is like you need to do Mm. it first to have Mm. that reaction to even have that information and there's a sun, there's definitely a ton of burnout that also comes from yeah. doing content creation. So the way that you've done it is actually, it's smart because I even feel that sometimes with the podcast, if I really stack oh, yeah. the conversations on top of each other, it's like there's a, you start to talk about the same thing over and over again. There's like a, there's nothing fresh or new about it. Um, mm. Yeah, I found for myself working in sprints has been really helpful. And that whether it's content or software or whatever the project happens to be, I'll be really focused for a period, you know, usually like a month to three months. And then I kind of have this, this lull and I'll work on something else. And if I find myself like, I can't really grind for like that long. And if I do, then I get really, I, I do get burnt out. And I've had, I feel like I've really experienced burnt out like once and it was probably like last summer. And I just realized I was doing too many of the same things like back to back to back to back. And I felt like I was never really feeling the like resolve of putting a bow on it and shipping it and celebrating it. And then like having something else to keep my interests or some sort of, you know, rest period. So working in sprints of like, okay, I'm gonna work on this first and this next and this one, I can still like grind it out but I'm spreading it around. Like I get new kind of energy from each one of those things that I do. So that's one of the other, like to answer your question earlier from like, how do you do so many things? 
because I'm not doing that many things at any given time. I just focus really, really hard for one to three months on any one of those things. And then I leave it forever for a long time. Even now, like, you know, the Swipe Files newsletter, I'll go through these sprints of like, I probably only like write the newsletter like twice a year. And I'll write for like 30 days and just write, 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 get really a lot of content out. Or I want to create the courses. Podcasting is a little bit different, but even when I did like this temporary podcast that I was doing called Everything is Marketing, I was really only recording for like three months. And then I spread it out over like six months and kind of scheduled them out. And that I found has really helped to combat burnout because even if you're doing consistently, as long as you don't feel the monotony or like the overload mm. of the week to week schedule, then you can do it for. It takes as so long much self really awareness though, because it's like and you can always revisit things. anything worth achieving is going to be really is going to be difficult, and like anyone that's built anything, there's a point where you find it monotonous, even if it's like your passion. Like even if you love to play basketball, I don't. If you're shooting like I think Kobe was yeah. shooting like hundreds of shots a day, there mm-hmm. was days where that guy did. Yeah, that guy did not feel like shooting a basketball anymore. Like Probably thousands. Just because he's just done it so much, like it's gonna get to the point that it's mm-hmm. monotonous. <laughs> and I think sometimes I think the difficult thing is having that self awareness of like, am I just avoiding the work by going to something new, or am I genuinely like? I need a creative break. Like I need that time to focus on something else. I think that distinction is, is difficult to figure yeah. out. Yeah. And it goes back to letting the, the projects and businesses kind of evolve into their full potential and not trying to force them or, or rush them because especially when you're putting like financial pressure on yourself and you're like, all right, this is my thing. I have one year of runway or six months of runway, or I'm going to work on this thing until I make X amount of money. One, it kind of kills a lot of the creativity and fun out of it. But two, then like, you know, what if you gave yourself six months of runway, but really what the project needed was eight months. Like you just sold yourself. You were like so close, (laughs) but you missed it just because you didn't plan accordingly to like the energy that you had and the timeline that you had. And um, so working in sprints and kind of like, you you want your businesses and the things that you do to be like a magnet where it's pulling you towards it all the time, where people are asking you, oh, like, what about this? What about that? I have to create content on this. People are asking, oh, what about this feature? What about that feature? Like people are asking me to build these things. I, I gotta do it instead of feeling like, well, I have to do X, Y, and Z by this time because otherwise, I'm going to call it a failure. It's like, no, you you want those things to be fun first and creative and interesting and learning opportunities, but then you want to be drawn to them second. You want to feel like you're kind of just, you know, holding on and you're along for the ride rather than like constantly. Okay. Here's where I, here's where I want to end. And it's, I think it's such an interesting question for someone like you, because we even spoke about like writing your book, like doing these interesting things that almost don't even make sense, but, your story is just so interesting. I'm curious, do you ever reflect on like what the end goal will look like? Like when you're when you're old, you're in your like rocking chair, whatever, and you're reflecting back, it's like do you ever think about how the all the dots will align and how everything will connect together between like the content and the different entrepreneurial ventures? Like, do you have an end goal in mind? Hmm. 
Well, yeah, I don't know how kind of counter this will be to a lot of other people's answers, but my perspective the last couple of years, especially has been, I'm not trying to build a legacy whatsoever. Basically there's only been like a couple people in the history of the universe who have been like memorable and they're like these big religious figures like, you know, Jesus and Buddha and Muhammad and, you know, there's people that are like these bigger than life characters, you know, or, or godly divine characters. Everyone else gets forgotten. <laughs> like, sorry. I, you know, I went to school and every building was named after a different person. I don't know who they were. Maybe they're donors. Maybe they were past alumni. Maybe they were amazing, you know, historical figures. I just have no idea. But like, I don't see a lot of point personally in trying to do something that lasts beyond my lifetime besides the impact that I have around like the people directly around me, like my friends and my family. But like the work that I do, I really want to like enjoy and like be present for those things. Feel proud. Like I, I spent my time personally well. I'm glad that I worked on those things. I didn't have any regrets about what I did or what I accomplished, but not for like the recognition of others, but just for my own kind of personal satisfaction, if that makes sense. So it's less about like, trying to build, build a legacy and it's all like this big crescendo into this, you know, huge impact or this thing that people are going to praise me for. And it's more about like, am I spending my time in a way that would make my older self, you know, proud or happy to have done. And I'm just, as long as I'm doing that, then I think I'm on the right track and I will be yeah. happy. You know, it's interesting you know, as you're saying that. Looking Cause back I was thinking on about it. Cause I've always like, one of the things I've always thought about is like, I want to have a legacy. Like I want to be remembered for something. But then as you were speaking, I was like, if you take those people, those historical figures that have, that reach that level of impact, that have that legacy, don't you think they probably would have had a similar mindset to what you just described? Which is like, they didn't, like, I don't think Jesus was like, my legacy is going to be fire. Like, right. <laughs> I don't, yeah, they're not trying to build like a legacy. They're just trying to like, do yeah, things not that trying, they enjoy, yeah. things that they believe in. And in the end, like the compounding of that mindset is a legacy because you just touched enough people and you had enough impact and it was all authentic and genuine. It's, a, it's almost paradoxical, but you might end up with the legacy in the end, to be honest. Yeah, it, it's like, totally, totally. It's like when, when, when people go out and buy like a really nice car and they're like, oh, everyone's gonna think that I'm so cool. I have a Lamborghini or, you know, they're going to think, man, who is this guy? And then everyone looks at you in that car and they're like, that's a sick car. That guy's a loser, but I wish I had his car. <laughs> it's like people don't care about you at all. They care about themselves. And so stop trying to impress them or earn their recognition or their praise, or their approval. As long as you like the car, that's all that it, that's important. It's really, really dope to have a Lamborghini. Just be happy with that and not trying to think about what other people think of you because you have the Lamborghini or fill in the blank, whatever your Lamborghini is, it's a book, it's a piece of software, it's a, it's a legacy, you know, as long as you enjoyed it and you like it, you're proud of it. That's what matters. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like it. I like it. And I think that's such a cool way to, to end the episode as well. It's been a pleasure having you on, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I love the kind of philosophical chat. Hopefully it was helpful. I'm happy yeah, to chat sure. in the DMs or email with anyone who's interested. 